Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Today, uh, tonight, we kick off a new series uh, called uh, Follow Me, where we are are going through the gospel of uh, the Gospel of Mark. And uh, for those of you who uh, may not be aware, the Gospel of Mark uh, is uh, the first written uh, account of the life of Jesus. Uh, so in this gospel, uh, we get to see the, the life of Jesus, his words, his ways, and his works, and, uh, and who, uh, who he is, and what he is like, and what he has done. And uh, so that's where we're going to be journeying over the next uh, eight weeks. And tonight, I'm going to kick us off uh, from the start of Mark in Mark uh, 1, uh, verses 1 through to verses 20. Now, it might be a little bit different tonight. So if you do have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to get them out and follow along. Uh, I will have things on the screen uh, as well. Okay, and so you can follow along, uh, follow along there. But I encourage you to get your Bibles there because we're going to kind of walk it through a little bit, uh, in kind of verse by verse, a little section by, a little section by section. Today, I just felt that to set up this series, this would be the best way in which to to do it tonight. So um, please uh, follow along and uh, connect with it in that way. Uh, so, so Mark. And like I said, he's the first one uh, written. Uh, it's believed to have been, um, it's called the Gospel of Mark, but it's probably actually been written by Peter. Uh, as in, Mark's penned it, but it's kind of a bit of the, the Peter's Gospel in a way, really. And Because uh, uh, Peter seems to be in every episode, he seems to be sharing, and, uh, and he, he's not the main character, but he seems to always be involved. So it seems to be a bit of uh, uh, the, life of, uh, the, life of, the life of experiences of Peter pointing to the person of Jesus penned by Mark. That's kind of how the book, um, the book uh, kind of works. Uh, but Mark has written this book ultimately so that you and I would experience a life change. Uh, he's written it so that you and I would encounter the person of Jesus. And my hope tonight, and my hope over the next eight weeks, is that that is what we will do as we study it, as we learn it, that you and I are going to experience uh, a life change. We're not just going to know more knowledge about who Jesus is, uh, but we are going to live it out with our hands and with our uh, feet. That's what uh, we're going to do. So we're going to jump straight in uh, to Mark chapter 1, verses 1. Okay, so Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 1, and it says this. It begins with the beginning of the... Good news, the beginning of the good news. This is how Mark uh, begins his, uh, his gospel. Now, um, Matthew begins with a genealogy. Uh, Luke begins with uh, a birth narrative. And John kind of takes us right back to the very beginning, uh, to creation. And uh, John, just, John doesn't give us any of that. He just jumps straight in to giving us Jesus. He just jumps straight into telling who, uh, uh, Mark, sorry, just jumps straight into telling us who Jesus is. And he says, the beginning of the good news. Now, uh, the good news uh, is a, another name for uh, that is the gospel. And so if you've got your Bibles there, it might say the gospel. If you're reading the gospel or the good news, it's all the same thing. It means exactly the same thing. Uh, it comes from an older word uh, called euangelion, and, uh, but it means the, the, good, uh, the good news. Now, some of um, what's really important about this is that the good news, uh, Mark's trying to tell you and I this today. He's trying to say to us, uh, the good thing is that Christianity is ultimately about good news. You see, many people, and you might find this at uni, you might find this at, uh, at your workplace or with your family, they think that Christianity is bad news. 
uh, or they think that Christianity at worst is dangerous news, that it's something uh, that is something wrong, it's dangerous for our society, it's dangerous for you, it's dangerous for, uh, for us all. Mark wants us to know that it's actually good news. It is good news. Now, um, this word, gospel or good news, isn't a word that Mark made up. It's not a, like a Christian word necessarily, it's not a, only a religious word. It was actually a word that was used in the first century uh, to speak of a public history-making event. So you would use the word good news if you were speaking of a, a new ruler who would just come into town, the birth of a, uh, of, um, a, new, a new king uh, or the reign of a new empire. Uh, when uh, Emperor Augustus, uh, Caesar Augustus was born, it was pronounced as good news, good news to, uh, to that area. And so in a, a world where there was lots of gospels, here comes Mark and he says, uh, this is the beginning of the good news. He's wanting you and I to know that uh, above every other gospel that you hear, every other bit of news that you think is good, there is nothing actually greater than the good news uh, that you are about to hear and that he is about to unfold for us. Now, just a couple of things that I need to say about good news because one of the problems is uh, that uh, as as Christians we do this, but certainly uh, as people who don't follow Jesus look on at this as well, is that we actually think that Christianity isn't about good news, but it's actually about good advice. And we think that, uh, that what Christianity is actually about is about making us better people, uh, better, um, ch- um, better kids, better husbands, better, wi- um, better, better wives, uh, learn how to pray better, uh, learn how to uh, live better. And it's just all about what we can do in order to be, uh, to be better. But you see, um, advice and news are very, very different things. I uh, see advice is something... Uh, that, you, that someone tells you uh, to do and you do something in order to get a desired result. Whereas news is the announcement of something that has happened that as a result this world is a completely different place. And the word that Mark uses to speak about Christianity and what it is about, it's not advice. He doesn't say it's rules. He doesn't say it's instruction. He doesn't say it's that. He says it is news. It is good news. Now, is the Bible full of instruction? Yes. Is the Bible full of wisdom? Yes. Is the Bible full of advice? Yes. But we need to understand that that's not what, it, what Christianity is primarily about. Christianity is primarily about news. Now, this is important because um, there are many other religions out there who uh, speak about and they're dominated by instruction and advice. So in Judaism, you've got your Ten Commands. In Islam, you've got uh, your five pillars. In Buddhism, you've got the Eightfold Path. And if you do these things, and that's how you find enlightenment, it's how you'll get to nirvana, it's how you'll be saved. Uh, But Christianity says it's not about that, it's about news. And what do you do with news? News is something you simply receive and you you trust in it and you believe in the news. And so over tonight and over the next few weeks, what Mark is going to do is he's going to give us news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is going to elicit in you and I a response. And we're going to talk about what that response is going to be uh, later on tonight. But it's something that you are to receive, nothing that you have to do. And that is good news. And so what is this news about? Well, it's already been on the screen. It is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. He says this is good news about Jesus. Now, why uh, is this important for you and I that we know it's about Jesus? Well, because uh, we need to, I think, we make a lot about ourselves. Uh, a lot of life becomes about us. And so to know that the good news is for us, but it's not about us, is a very, very helpful corrective. So Mark says this is good news about Jesus. He centres it all on that. But the other thing that Mark makes it clear is that the good news is not about something. 
The good news is about someone, and it's about the person of Jesus. You see, Christianity, unlike other religions, is about an ongoing relationship with a real flesh and blood historic person that is alive today, and that's Jesus Christ. And so he says, this is good news about a person. It's all about Jesus. And then he goes on and he makes two very significant claims about Jesus. He says that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. Now, if you want to understand the whole book of Mark, these two um, ideas frame the whole book. So the first eight chapters is about who Jesus is as Messiah. The next uh, six or so chapters, it's up to 16, so it must be the next seven chapters, uh, is about uh, this Jesus as the Son of God. And uh, the, the last six chapters, seven chapters, is the Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' life. So Mark is kind of giving away the ending uh, right up front. He's saying, this is who Jesus is. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, who was the Messiah? Well, the Messiah was uh, the, a person, a figure, who was, who was to come, was a long-awaited king through whom Yahweh, or God, would rescue and bring about his rule and reign and rescue Israel from their oppressors and all their enemies. And at this point in time, uh, that, was the, that was Rome. Rome was the superpower of the day. And uh, so what would uh, the king, what, what would um, the, uh, the Messiah come to do? And he would ultimately come to release uh, Israel from the oppression from uh, Rome. Uh, he's, and so the, this Messiah was expected to be the promised king, the king, not just a king, but the king. Then Mark says about the Son of God that Jesus is also the Son of God. This is another way for Mark to say he's an anointed king, but it's also a way of saying it is the Lord God Almighty who has come to us. That Jesus is not just the long-awaited king, but Jesus is also God come on earth. And this is just an amazing, an amazing idea. Uh, and John, um, Mark then goes on and he uh, explains a little bit more about uh, the Lord here. He gives these, um, in the verses uh, three, 2 and 3, he, gives, he goes back and he reaches back into the Old Testament prophets of Isaiah and Malachi and he says that there is a messenger who is going to come ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his paths. And the, um, Isaiah and Malachi, they said that God was going to send a messenger to Israel to prepare them for when God would show up and rescue their people and become their king. And what Mark is saying here is a huge statement. It's a massive statement. We might not all see it, but it is huge. He's, when he uses the word Lord here, he's using the word Yahweh. Now, Yahweh was the holy covenant name of God that he gave to Moses. Now, why is that important? Because this was a word that you didn't speak. This was a name that you didn't speak. It was a name that you didn't write down because it was, it was too holy. It was too precious. It was the Lord God Almighty. But Mark is saying, hey, the Lord God Almighty is on the move. God, God is coming to earth and this is amazing for you and I because what it means is that if you're here tonight and you're thinking, can you actually have a relationship with the God of the universe? Can you actually have a relationship with the one who created and flung all the stars into the sky and created all things? And the answer is yes. You and I can have a relationship with the Lord God Almighty. We have a God who we can know, a God that we can relate to. You see, in most other religions, a prophet arrives on the, on, on town, in town and he tells them how you can uh, earn your way to God, how you can earn your way uh, to, uh, to the divine. 
But Mark says that the true God, the creator God, has come to us. Because you see, Jesus isn't just a great prophet. Uh, he is actually God himself. God come to dwell with his people. Mark then goes on and uh, he says, and he says this in, uh, in verses 1, 4 to 6. He introduces us to the person who was going to announce uh, the coming of the Lord. And this is what he says. And so John the Baptist was this person. Now, I don't know about you, if you read through that, there's a couple of really interesting things. If John the Baptist is the person who has been chosen to announce the coming uh, of the king... I've got some troubles with it because he seems to be not the, not the right kind of guy. He doesn't seem to be uh, up for what it takes to be a, a royal announcer, someone who is to go first and to announce the king. See, just like a support act for a band, like we had you know, Ren Collective here last week and uh, I can't remember the, the lady's name who was the support act uh, uh, for her, Chelsea, you, got, you guys should know, Chelsea and... You guys were on the stand. Anyway, they've forgotten. But um, as a support act uh, for uh, Ren, her job was to kind of get everyone pumped up, excited, ready for when uh, Ren Collective uh, would come and to play. And so that's John's kind of role. His role is to get everyone ready for Jesus. But here's my problem with this. John seems to be in a weird place. He seems to be in a weird place and he seems to be wearing weird clothes. And so I kind of wondered that, is, is any crown... Anyone who watches The Crown here? Yeah. A few Crown people? Okay, what are we up to? Episode um, Season 3, I think, and we're waiting for a few more. But um, if, if you imagine if the Queen came to SA, all right, if the Queen comes to SA, uh, where do you think she would go? I would have thought she'd come to Adelaide at least, wouldn't she? Gone to the city, most people are kind of around. Uh, I wouldn't think she would head out to the Simpson Desert. Okay, but this is where John is, is going. He's going out into the, just go back a slide, um, he's going back to the wilderness. He's going out to the, the desert. It just seems like a weird place uh, for, uh, for uh, John, the one who's announcing a royal visit to be in the wilderness. And then, of course, we see John wearing uh, a clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt is around uh, his uh, waste. You wouldn't expect, it seems like an odd place for John uh, to appear. But here's the deal. Uh, John didn't just punch in the wrong address into his GPS, and nor is just some kind of fashion faux pas. It wasn't that John just didn't listen to his wife and got the wrong clothing. It was nothing uh, like that. This was very, very deliberate. John is sending a very, very important message, and this is it. He is saying, he's dressing up like the prophet Elijah, like the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Have a look at two kings. That was how he dressed up. So why is he, why is he doing that? Why is he dressing up? Like the Old Testament prophet Elijah, well, the reason is because he is declaring himself as the new Elijah. He's saying that that messenger that we saw in verses 2 and 3, that one who was coming to prepare the way for the Lord, well, that is me. I am that person. And you know what that means? If I'm that person, that means that the king's coming. That means that the, the Lord is coming. That the Son of God, the Messiah, is on the way. And why does he go out into the desert why does he go into the wilderness? Well, because that's the place where the people of God met God. It's where God was. There's so many encounters through the Old Testament of God meeting people in the desert. And that was the place on Mount Sinai when they were given the law where Israel was formed as a nation. And so John dresses like Elijah. He goes out into the desert. What's he saying? He's saying it's time. 
It's time. That promise is coming true. The expected king is on the way. God is doing something new. Get ready. Wake up. There is a new beginning coming. God is coming and he's creating a new family. But this new family is going to be centered around the person of Jesus. Well, this message, this message that John is, is telling is creating quite a stir. And, uh, and John uh, is getting a lot of attention. And so have a look at verse 7, uh, what happens in, uh, in verse 7. Uh, John has a way of just deflecting the attention uh, away. And he says, After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. What does John do here? This is John saying, hey guys, I'm not the main act. It's not about me. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. This is an important corrective for you and I as well. Because as I said earlier, it is very easy for you and I to make life about us. Very easy to make life about me. We, our self-centeredness, we become self-sufficient. We think that it's all about me. We, wanna, we all want to shine a spotlight onto ourselves. We all want the attention. John here goes, that's not how it works. I know that I'm not the one that can bring change in someone's life. But the one who is coming, he can do that. He can do that. And why is, why is Jesus the one who can bring the change? Why does John know that? Because John knows that he can only baptize with water. But when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is a change agent. The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings renewal and refreshing to our lives. And so I wonder today, have you allowed the Holy Spirit into your life? Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out? Have you said, have you ever even a regular way of praying, Holy Spirit, come? Spirit of God, come, change me, renew me. You see, you can't change yourself. You can't change yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit come and came through the person of Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. Spend time, spend time praying, Holy Spirit, come. Fill me again, fill me afresh, renew me and restore me. So now uh, we kind of get to the bit in the, uh, in, in, in the gospel now where Mark's about to tell us the arrival of the king. The king's about to come. So he's spent the last, you know what, the last eight verses setting us up for this big arrival. The messenger's gone out before. Uh, then he, uh, he says, now, now he's coming, the, the, the main player. Now is the, the main act. And you kind of think that this is going to be a big deal. You know, the, the king is going to arrive and it's going to be a big fanfare. There's going to be cannons. There's going to be, you know, a, a cheese platter, I don't know, big, like, big cheese board thing with lots of wine and drink. It's going to be an amazing party, essentially, right? And then this is what happens. Have a look, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. It sounds like a bit of a letdown. You know, here's this king, this messenger's gone out, people are flocking to him, and uh, this messenger's gone out, and then we're just told that here comes Jesus from Nazareth. Nazareth, if you remember uh, in John, Nathaniel says of, of, of Nazareth that uh, uh, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? It's just a, it's just a letdown. Uh, does anyone know of the town of Kaladi? Uh, uh, anyone know of Kaladi? No, I didn't think so. That was why I asked the question. Uh, Kaladi is a town in, uh, in, Nor in Queensland, in kind of rural Queensland. Four people. 
Four people live in Kaladi. It's like no one knows about it. It's kind of this backwater town. That's like Nazareth. It's kind of like Jesus coming from Kaladi, uh, from four people. It, you know, here's the king coming, and he's just coming from this unknown, uh, unknown little uh, place. And then, uh, is anyone confused by this? At that time, Jesus came from this backwater place in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, what baptism was John doing? He was doing a baptism of repentance and, uh, and uh, forgiveness. Why? Is, if Jesus, as Mark has said, if he's the Messiah, he's the Son of God, he is God Almighty come, and Jesus is the sinless Saviour, why is Jesus needing to be baptised? Why is Jesus needing to be baptised? Well, that Jesus is being baptised as a way of identifying with you and I as a way of identifying with the people of Israel and with all of humanity. You see, by being baptised by John, Jesus is saying that I, I've become one of you. I've become one of you. I'm standing with you. But here's, here's the difference. Here's the significant difference, of course, that he is standing with us. He's identifying with our sin, with our failures. He's identifying with us, not as another sinner in need of forgiveness, but as the sinless saviour who brings our forgiveness. That's how he's standing with us. That's why he goes and he gets baptised. And then in verse 10, uh, John again, you see how quick John is. John just goes from one scene to another, one scene to another. In verse 10, we then read this incredible scene. Uh, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The heavens open, God descends on Jesus and we hear God affirming who Jesus is. You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. This is a, this is a, a beautiful piece of scripture. This is an amazing piece of scripture. It, in one way it's kind of like the gospel in a nutshell. Uh, but it's incredible because of this, that because Jesus is the Messiah and the Messiah represents his people, then what is true of him is true of his people. Therefore, if you and I, if any of us have put our trust into Jesus, if we have uh, trusted him, then God says to you what he says to Jesus. You are my dear child. I love you and I'm delighted with you. I wonder tonight what would it mean for you to hear those words said to you? What would it mean for you tonight to hear God say to you, you are my dear child, I love you. In you I am well pleased, I am delighted in you. You see, sometimes it's, this is impossible to imagine. And this is impossible to imagine, especially if you've never heard words like that before from your earthly parents. Or especially if you haven't heard these words before from your dad. It's, a, it's hard to imagine this. But I want to tell you tonight, this is true. Because Jesus is the Messiah. If you have put your trust into him, what is true of him is true of you. And that these words that God says to him, he says to you. You are my dear child, I love you, and I am delighted with 
you. It was interesting, my dad was here this morning uh, at church. He's finished up after 25 years of, uh, of ministry at Enfield uh, Baptist, and so he's kind of on a little bit of a, a leave before he goes back. And uh, so he was here today, and I was preaching on this, and it was actually lovely. He came up to me um, afterwards and said, you know, well, well done. Um, but he said, uh, Dan, if I've never said it to you, um, which he has before, but he said, um, I want you to know I love you. Uh, and, uh, and I'm proud of you, and uh, I'm delighted in you. And it was just a lovely, a lovely thing um, to hear uh, today. Uh, so I'll just share that, there we go. Um, then Mark kind of moves on. And Mark moves on, and he, uh, and he says this, and we see this another interesting little scene. At once then, Jesus, uh, the Spirit sent Jesus out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. Uh, is there anything in there that uh, you know, sparks anything for you? Like where have we heard uh, the wilderness and 40 days before or wilderness and the number 40 before? Well, of course, uh, um, Mark is helping us to connect the story of Israel with the story of Jesus. Uh, because, of course, Israel went out into the wilderness for how long? For 40 years. Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days. But here's the deal. Unlike Israel, who spent, um, unlike Israel, Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted, but he didn't give in to temptation. He didn't sin. You see, where Israel failed, Jesus succeeded. Where Israel was unfaithful, Jesus was faithful. Where Israel gave in to temptation, Jesus gained victory over it. See, Jesus defeated sin and evil. How? By remaining faithful and completely faithful to his Father. Jesus, I believe, um, defeated sin uh, and evil because he knew how deeply he was loved. See, what is, what is sin, ultimately? Sin is more than the things that you do. Yes, that is sin, but sin is more than that. Sin is ultimately a failure to trust in God. Um, Jesus had complete trust in God, complete trust in his Father's love for him. That he knew that I just need to keep, I just need to stay faithful to him. He has the best path for me. And he didn't sin. You see, we often try to just muscle up a whole lot of energy so we don't have to sin. But often the way is just to relax into trusting God. You see, sin, the other way to think about sin uh, is it's like sticking your finger up at God. It's a way of saying, no, I'm not going to go your way. I'm not going to trust what, uh, what you say is true about the future. I'm just going to do, I'm going to go my way. That is ultimately. Uh, where, sin, uh, where sin begins and what gives birth to sin. And the wonderful news uh, from Mark's Gospel is that Jesus, he did all of this for you. He went 40 days being tempted in the, in the desert, in the wilderness, and didn't sin and he did it all for you. Because um, you see, here's, here's what's true and what Mark um, explains to us here. We have, let's go back to the other slide, we, have, we are being tempted by Satan. We have an enemy. There is a very real enemy. Here's the deal with Satan, though, and the enemy, is the enemy uh, can only wave a gun at you, an empty gun. He has no bullets in his gun. There, there, is, there are no bullets. He, the, the shot has been fired. The cross has, uh, has won and has defeated it. But there is an enemy. There is someone who is wanting to lure you away and pull you away from, uh, from Jesus, from King Jesus. But what we see here is that you and I, we're not left defenseless to sin. 
We're not left defenseless to sin. God knows our tendency towards self-centeredness and our wandering in the wilderness. He knows that our hearts aren't pure. He knows that our hearts aren't clean. And that's why Jesus went before us into a very real battle on the cross to defeat sin, death and evil and bring us back into relationship with the Father. And then um, Mark goes on. I oh, know we're moving through this pretty quickly and he says this. Have a look at this. This is like the key passage in the whole book of Mark. If you want to understand Mark, this is what it's about. Verse 15 is ultimately what it's about. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the what? The good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is our response to this good news of love, this good news of the kingdom of God coming. Our response is to turn and to trust, to turn and to trust. You see, sometimes the word repentance gets a bad rap. Uh, But repentance is actually a good thing for us. Repentance is an important thing for us. Repentance means just to turn around. It means to, to do a 180, not a 360. That's kind of turning back on yourself. 180 to face him, to put him front and center. And what is it that we're to turn around from? Well, let me tell you what I think we're to turn around from. We are to turn away and to turn around from ourselves. We're to turn away from ourselves. You see, you and I, we've all gone the way of self-centeredness. We've all gone the way of choosing to be our own king. And when we decide to put ourselves front and centre, when we decide to put ourselves on the throne, that just wreaks havoc. That just causes problems. Well, Dan, how do you know that? Well, I know that because in Genesis chapter 3, that is what happened. There was this, in Genesis 1 and 2, there was this perfect shalom, this perfect relationship between God and humanity, humanity and one another, and God and creation. It all got broken. And it was all destroyed because of two people who decided that they would put themselves front and centre and they would not trust what God had told them. They would not trust the good news. And so Jesus says to you and I today, turn to me, place me front and centre, trust me with the trajectory of your life, trust the good news. You see, the gospel, as I said earlier, is not about trusting good advice. It's about trusting good news It's not about following rules. It's about following the king who rules and who reigns over all. It's not about following someone who tells you what you need to do in order to be saved. It's about following someone who has the authority, the power and the love to actually do what needs to be done so you can be saved. That's what the good news is about. So let me ask you the question. Have you turned and trusted the good news today? Have you done that? Are you trusting this good news today? Now, the first people that we meet in Mark's gospel who turned and trusted the good news were Peter uh, and Andrew. And we, when we read this, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon or Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Three and a half months later, they left their nets and they followed him. At once, they left their nets and they followed him. You see, this call to turn and to trust is an at once 
trust. It's an immediately trust. It's a now, here, tonight, today trust. Uh, go on. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Sounds a bit cruel, doesn't it? Just leaving your father in the boat and following him. You know, Zebedee probably had a plan for these guys and their future to look after the family business. They left him. And why did they leave him? Because they knew that the call to follow Jesus was bigger than anything else they could do. They knew that the trajectory that he has for them is one that they need to turn to and to trust. Tonight, what is it that you need to untie from? Are you on the throne of your life and you actually need to put Jesus on the throne? What is it that you're trusting for your life, for your salvation? Is it your family? Is it your career? Is it you're hoping that you're just going to get a husband or a wife? What is it that you're hoping for? What are you trusting in that you think is going to bring you joy and happiness in life? Jesus says, trust in the good news. Trust in me. Trust the good news. What I want to do now, just as we finish, we're going to close and we're going to sing a song and then I think we've got Sunday sesh tonight and there's, there's food and there's pizza and all that. But I want to give tonight, because there might be some people in the room here tonight who uh, King Jesus has been speaking to tonight, and I believe that there are, and you maybe have never made a first-time faith commitment. You haven't trusted Jesus for the first time. You've been in church, you've heard about this for a long time, but you've never actually kind of put up your hand and said, yep, tonight's the night where I'm going to trust the good news. I'm going to turn from my way of doing life. I'm going to turn from my self-centeredness. I'm going to turn from my self-sufficiency, and I'm going to trust Jesus. Or just with every head bowed and eyes closed tonight, if that is you tonight, I'm not going to do anything weird, but I want to pray for you. And I want to pray and I want you just to pray in your heart after me. You don't have to pray out loud. But here's one thing I want you to do as a little bit of a challenging step. If this is you and this is the first time you're praying this tonight, I want you to kind of just put your hand on your heart uh, tonight. No one else will see it. This is just between you, you, you and God. And if you want to make this decision to put your trust in Jesus for the first time, you just put your hand on your heart tonight and, uh, and, pray, this, and pray this after me. That's great. Jesus, tonight, for the first time, I put my trust in you. I turn from my self-centered ways. I turn from self-sufficiency and I put you on the throne and I trust you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you are the king of this world, that you are the king of my life. And tonight I trust the good news. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for bringing me into relationship with you. Amen. If that was you tonight and you prayed that prayer for the first time, awesome. Praise God. Please let somebody know, let someone around you know. Let myself know, let Sam know, let anybody on platform here know that you did that. That is uh, an amazing thing. You made a, a wonderful step into following Jesus and living out a life in his kingdom. There's one other group I just want to pray for before we sing, and that is if you're here tonight and tonight God has spoken to you uh, through this um, message and through this passage, 
And but you do know that if you're really honest with yourself, and it's good to be really honest uh, with yourself, if you're really honest, you know that uh, Jesus and the kingdom of God is just like a bolt onto your life. It's just like a bit of an add-on. If you know that tonight he's been challenging you and calling you to put him front and centre, uh, if you know that you are on the, the throne of, of your life, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, but really you're just following yourself, um, then I want to pray for you too. And I want to pray tonight, a really simple prayer, that the Spirit of God, that his power would come and would transform you. He would transform you from the inside out and he would give you everything that you need to be able to live for him. So if that's you tonight, why don't you just join me as we pray and just say, just say in your heart, that's me, that's me. Uh, Lord, we, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you, you do love us. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your power to save us. And Lord, tonight, there are people here and we are saying, we're coming to you and saying that we follow you, but if we're really honest, uh, we're kind of in the driver's seat. We're on the throne. And, uh, but we want to step down from the throne tonight and we want to trust you. We want to turn from our ways and we want to put our trust in you again. We want to trust you with the trajectory of our life, believing that you have our best interest at heart, that your way is the right way to life and experiencing all the blessing and the joy that comes. And so, Lord... I pray that your Holy Spirit would move tonight in hearts, that your Holy Spirit would come and would change people's hearts right now from the inside out. Renew, refresh and focus people again, Holy Spirit, on your goodness. Join, join, join the Spirit with their spirit, Lord, and just do something amazing and wonderful to see change that would happen in their life. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand with me tonight? And uh, in a way of uh, giving praise and worship and adoration and putting Jesus on the throne, we're going to sing. We're going to sing a song, and it's about giving all that we have to him. And so as we sing this, would, would this be a dependent song? Would this be a way of you saying that tonight's a night, a different night? Uh, tonight's a night where things shifted for me because I put King Jesus on the throne tonight, and I surrendered it all, and I said it's all about you. Let us sing. Thanks, Rosh. Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.